Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey, fruities. We want to announce that our Fruit Loops Video Club is coming up at the end of this month for our $12 and up patrons. And in our video club, you get to consume the content at your leisure. So watch the documentary or whatever it is we're reviewing on your own time. Mm-hmm. And then you get to join us to talk about it. Yep. Or true crime or whatever we want to, really. That's right. It's a fun time. It's yeah. also a safe space. And if you've ever been like in your car listening to a podcast and be like, no, Wendy, you got that fact <laughs> wrong. And then violently bang your hands and wrist on the steering wheel. Does that happen to you? Yeah. If that's yeah. ever happened to you, uh, well, join our video club because that'll be a thing <laughs> of the past. Woo! No more screaming into the abyss and risking wrist injuries. Oh, Lord. Because you can scream at Wendy's face in real time. <laughs> Give it to me. Uh, so if you're interested in joining us, check out our Patreon page for more details. And there you also have access to our past episodes ad free, plus literally hundreds of hours of bonus content. Yeah. And next up is a 2023 documentary called I Got a Monster, which we'll be talking about on Sunday, April 30th. Oh, can't wait. So you might be asking yourself, self, what are they telling me all this? <laughs> <laughs> and well, this week's episode is a taste of one of our previous video clubs. Yeah. Look, if we're being honest, it's all Florida's fault. Yeah, and because Florida. of Florida, <laughs> we just need a short break. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know if that's 100% true, but don't fact check us. <laughs> and we hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, we also hope you'll join us on the next video club. That's right. So until then, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Please take care of yourself. Welcome to Fruit Loops Video Club with me, Wendy. Beth is over there. Minnie's down there. That's the way they show up on my Zoom. I don't know what it looks like for everybody else. And uh, we're just really grateful for our Patreon supporters. And we hope that you like our discussion about this documentary, which was suggested to us by Mean Green Marlene, a yeah. returning Patreon champ. And it is called... The Incident at Oglala, which is a 1992 documentary by Michael Apted. He's dead. Um, narrated by Robert Redford. Did you know that? Yeah. Yep. You did? Okay. Well, yeah, I, said so in the, I, I wouldn't have known it. Oh, except yeah, that it okay. said so. Thanks, <laughs> oh, it said so at the beginning? 
I don't I know if it did or not, but when you I say this is Robert Redford and I'm no, I don't know, so. no, 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 it was just like in the ad for the, yeah, in the description. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The description. So, yeah. I didn't notice that until like the second time I watched it. So <laughs> the film, the film documents the deaths of two federal Bureau of Investigations agents named Jack <laughs> Kohler uh, and Ronald A. Williams. And when you I mean, there's mistakes from the beginning. First yeah. of all, assigning Oof. these two very young agents to this part of the world, I also think was, was done. But we'll get yeah. into that. Oh, um, so much. Yeah. Yeah. On the Pine Ridge. Oh, in- Marlene is here. Oh, yay. Here she comes. Oh, good. Yay. There she is. Mm, I'm so excited to see her. <laughs> yeah. This was a good one. Yeah, this was an it was documentary. This one um, pissed me off instead of making me cry. So, I mean. Yeah, so I was good. like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, what? Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Well, yeah. we'll get there. But yeah. you know how I feel about law enforcement and the FBI. In particular. <laughs> yeah. So. Hey, Marlene. I'm so glad you can't, could be can't here. Yeah. Oh, I heard something. Oh, I, I did hear something. Can you hear me now? Yes. 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 Yeah. So glad you could join us. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Th- this was a great selection. So thank hmm. you for picking it. Yeah. Um, it opened my well, eyes to a lot and I'm hoping it will yeah, open. He's still, he's still in prison. He's still in, still prison. in prison. Yeah. I looked him up. And yeah. I, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think he's, I, I would classify him as a political prisoner. Yeah. Absolutely. If I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was so, shocked to see that Obama didn't even give him clemency. I know. I yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We got to we, we got to have a conversation about yes. Obama. I mean, Mr. you know, Obama. Yeah. Mr. Obama, I have several questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no president is perfect, but oh, um, yeah, but he, especially seriously. in the second term, had an opportunity to do a yes. lot of really great things for a lot of communities who had been ignored for a long time, including Leonard. And he didn't. So anyway, there was this massacre at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation on June 26th, 1975, and also killed in the gunfire was Native American Joe Stunts, who was uh, a member of the American Indian Movement, AIM for short, and we'll hear that a lot throughout the documentary whose death prompted no legal action. Nobody was ever charged for um, Joe Stunts' killing. And it examines the legal case surrounding the subsequent trials of Robert Robidoux and Daryl Butler. They were acquitted. And Leonard Petlier, who was first extradited to Canada, then they kicked him out of Canada over some bullshit and sent him to trial. And the FBI got their man. And they really believe they got the right one. And... That's gross because it doesn't look I don't like that's the think, case. I think they just had a good enough man to pin it on. I don't think they believe yeah. that. You, oh, you think just... you think they know that they're lying? Oh, yeah. I oh, for oh, sure. Okay, they let's know. get into yeah. it. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, uh, so the film also discusses tribal chairman Dick Wilson, who is, I hate to say this, he he's, doesn't seem like a good garbage. person yeah. to be like in leadership. No, I I would pay to see a movie about that, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that administration and everything Mm -hmm. that went on. um, It sounded wild. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we just I've been watching the Chippendales documentary, like Uh something of that magnitude on Hulu for us to be in six to eight episodes to give us an idea. But before I sort of talk through the plot, any initial thoughts that you just can't keep inside about this documentary? Well, 
I grew up knowing that he's been in prison. Uh, my mom dated a dude that had AIM affiliations. Mm. I don't know, just being in that culture anyway, so you're going to know about Leonard Peltier. Mm. And, yeah, it's, uh, I have the DVD. It's been a while since I've seen it, but something wow. came across. I was like, oh, yeah, Leonard Peltier is still in prison. And I was like, we mm-hmm. should talk about that. Yeah, I'm so glad you did. Um, oh, I was just going to say, when I was growing up, the way that AIM was talked about is the same way that the Black Panthers were talked mm-hmm. about in the white culture. It was yeah. like, they're scary. Mm-hmm. They're terrorists. Militant. You know, militant. Aggressive. I had no idea until yeah. we started doing the podcast that what the Black Panthers were all about. And now mm-hmm. what AIM is about. Yeah. And yeah. Is, this stuff is necessary. To protect your community that's been oppressed, I mean, for centuries mm-hmm. and and some yeah. guys, I think AIM was started by men who had lived off of the reservation, been in, imprisoned, lived in the ghettos of, you know, in other big cities in the United States and were like, came together and were like, something emerged in them culturally that had been blocked out or missing before. And they were like, we have to fight for our people. We have to fight for our rights. We have to fight for our culture. And that's all AIM was. And it is so threatening to white, um, the white establishment or white supremacy. And so any reason such as criminal activity that they can Mm -hmm. use to stomp it out, they will do. And you're right. It's not unlike the Black Panthers. And I think of AIM kind of reminded me of BLM. You know, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Matter, yeah, which is the way that about, they talk about it now. Yeah, yeah, the way exactly. Um, and I saw a lot of parallels that w- therein. Um, my first thought was, what the fuck are these two white FBI agents following a guy onto yeah. a like yeah. a reservation yeah. just yeah. because of cowboy boots? Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah, that was like, shocking. Like, cowboy the boots. note that I took, I said, uh, I, I wrote down, I have a hard time believing the agents went in there about a pair of stolen boots. Why were they plain clothes and didn't go through the community's own police? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Right. There's protocols and systems. Like, this, I'm like, this was a lie from the start. That is not why they went in there. That's there. That's just a lie. Like, right. If it doesn't sound right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Absolutely. I'm like, this, none of this makes sense. Therefore, this is not true. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I also yeah. think that the FBI and I think law enforcement in general are just bullies, but in per- the FBI in particular there. And especially is, at that time. Yeah, they have killed so many figures who are the leaders of movements of people who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. And this felt no different. Yeah. Um, and they they have so many resources. They even have tanks and they yeah. will use them to their own advantage again to stop out anything that's a threat to what i would say would call it white supremacy white society yeah mm -hmm, that was maddening this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour a day? Hmm. Spend more time with your kids, go to the Hmm. gym, Hmm. work on a hobby, 
take a nap? <laughs> Can you do all those things in 60 minutes? Just kidding. <laughs> you know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. Yeah. But what we do with that time, we don't always know. But the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what it is. And therapy can help you figure that out. Find what matters to you most and make it a priority so that you can find the time to do more of it. Yeah. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And I've been in and out of therapy most of my life. Same. And it has had such a positive influence on my life that I honestly do not know who I would be without therapy. And I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know either. <laughs> Listen, Bev and I have both used BetterHelp. Yeah. And we love it. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com fruit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit. Hi, podcast listeners. I'm Carol Costello, a former CNN anchor and national correspondent. This January, I'm launching a podcast about one of the first cases I ever covered as a journalist. It's one that stuck with me all of these years, the one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. It's a true crime series about an amazing woman named Phyllis Cottle, who defied torture and death and brought a fierce rage to the quest to find her attacker. Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com. So I guess let's go to the beginning, unless anybody else has anything to add before we kind of go through it. Nope, no um, okay, well, 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 we open up the documentary <laughs> and they tell us at the beginning, there's a way you can support Leonard by watching till the end. And interesting fact, Leonard is eligible for parole in 2035. So, so that's, that's when he will be released in 20. Oh, that's when he'll be released. Yeah. So okay. He was eligible for parole in 1993, but he has not been released. Yeah, he's not, okay. not getting out. He's not getting out. No, mm -mm, You don't no. think he's going to get out in 2035? No, he'll be dead. Yeah. yeah no. He's 78 70 right something. Now. Yeah, he's I mean, 70. Yep. Joe Byron is in his 80s. I mean, <laughs> Joe Byron can make it. Certainly Leonard can. I, I feel like uh, Joe Byron has better access to health care yeah. than, uh, you know, I was so hopeful. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have not yeah. much to look forward to on this dumpster fire of a planet. I was looking forward to Leonard getting out. Damn it. All right. Well, uh, so so we open with that. And then there is Spotty Jimmy Eagle. Uh, a woman said that she was at her grandmother's house all day with one of the people who was involved and they uh, saw these people coming up and they were unfamiliar with who these motherfuckers were. And they, somebody said they didn't expect to be shot or they didn't expect anybody to shoot them. But a lot of the residents of the reservation were like, we didn't know these people. We'd never seen these cars before. They were wearing plain clothes, blah, blah, blah. How are blah. they supposed to know how, they're FBI how, agents? Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was a hostile, it was a hostile environment anyway. Like yeah. coming yeah. right. right, right. And um, I'm glad you brought that up because they talk about the violence and the unsolved murders that were 
within the community of this reservation, but they really they blamed it was like they were putting all the blame on the community for what had happened, like these murders that were unsolved, which bothered me. Yeah, it was bullshit. Yeah. And it was clearly the community was neglected by the government and by the president of the tribe, Mr. Dick Wilson. So it it, it felt really victim blamey at some point. So the the agents, uh, they looked like Little children is one of my notes. Those two a- FBI young. agents were very young looking. Yeah. And then somebody said by them going in there, it was like they committed suicide. Like it was a suicide mission mm-hmm. entering the reservation. And the indigenous people were like, why the fuck would fed surround a place with mostly women and children? <laughs> we're not, yeah. We're not doing anything yeah. here. We just I don't know. Live Same here. reason they have been for hundreds of years, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's another <laughs> excellent point. Yeah. Cause I guess Wilson was like, doing really shady deals with like land, selling it to this person or that person for monetary gain. And then is her name Myrtle who they threatened? She was a witness. Yeah, later witness. On down the line. Yeah, yeah. they mm-hmm. they threatened to take her yeah. kids away, which yep. is um we've seen the colonizers do this in the past. So we shouldn't be surprised, but it is really, really fucked up. Oh, well, are you going to say something, Marlene? Oh, I was like, not only that, there was like resources too. There's valuable resources that they were trying to mine and get in on. And that's what Dick Wilson was trying to get in on too. Instead of keeping the land sacred, he's like, oh, we can make money. Or, you know, right, that, right. Him, him and his there, he can could make money. Make money not there the was, community. yeah, there was a schism between the um, traditionalists and, and yeah. people like Dick Wilson who wanted to make lots of money and more aligned with the white culture. Yeah. And that um, division that was created between indigenous people is really the fault of the colonizer. Yes, <laughs> right? absolutely. And, uh, right, I, I mean, let's it wouldn't have happened if <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely without yeah. the colonizers. Yeah. Yeah. They um, it kept popping into my head that to this day, you know, people talk about, and, and when I say people, I mean, white people talk about the <laughs> people <laughs> yes. I know <laughs> uh, talk about uh, a lot of the, the poverty that still exists to this day among people living in the reservations. Yeah. And they say uh, that it is because the government that uh, the government money that's given to the bands or the tribes is not trickling down through the tribal or band leaders. Um, I don't know if that's the case. All I know is that that's what white people think is the cause of the poverty. But again, oh. that shifts the blame once again to onto the victim. Yeah. Yeah. But and I don't know if that's actually true. Um, I'd be interested to hear from somebody with direct experience um, whether or not that's true. We get that a lot here because in Oklahoma, a lot of tribes have their own casinos. And that's what I hear all the time. Like, well, don't y'all get casino money? Don't you get money from the government all the time? Like, no. Like when I was in school, you get your tribe will provide you with some school money for clothes. You get uh, school supplies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as getting money from the tribe, like what well, we recently did, I think the U.S. gave a grant to a bunch of natives and they just divvied it up. Mm-hmm. So like we have been getting a little bit more help than usual. But the last time I got help from the tribe, I turned 18. They gave me a thousand dollars. So it was like, OK. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Well, that so fixes like, everything. I don't, I don't get money all the time. Some tribes do, though. Some tribes do a little bit better for themselves with the other commodities that they're invested in, whether it be cattle or they got oil on their land. So they get mineral rights. Mm. Therefore, they get what they call per cap. Yeah. 
Okay. So forth, so forth. Do you but think yes. there's a, a lot of corruption in tribal leadership? Or oh, yeah, definitely. You if, if you work in the office, like yeah. everyone that works on, on council or anything, they help out their family. They all got nice cars. Mm. And I'm like, where's all this money going to? Especially yeah. when it comes to like the winter or like, the summertime. Elders need propane to keep their houses warm or they need mm-hmm. like to come out there and fix their AC or just mm-hmm. something to help out the community instead of just and they're not taking it. care of their little inner circle. Inner circles. Yeah. Right. And it seems so that was another thing that kind of popped up in the documentary as well, that there seemed to also be a division based on how basically how white you were, you know, mm-hmm. so like people who were uh, higher percentage Caucasian were getting more and people with less percentage Caucasian were getting less. Do you feel any of that? Uh, not exactly. It might be the other way around. Like the whole blood quantum thing is a whole colonizer thing too. Yeah. Where yeah. Race yeah. Has to carry. yeah. I wish I had my tribal yeah. ID. Yeah. Isn't it. that crazy? Like, it is. You, you have to have a card to show how much percentage yeah. you are. But oh my God. The, uh, like, I feel like, you know, if I went to 23 and me and pulled out my percentage of this and that, the other, and if I had to carry that around and show it all the time, <laughs> like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's only yeah. horses, horses and dogs. Native Americans oh, are shit. Have to carry around these cards. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, yeah. I never, I never god. thought of it that way before. Oh my that's god, that's pretty fucked right. up. Yeah, it is pretty fucked up. Jesus. Yeah. God, I hate it here. Oh, like, <laughs> Can I like be excused? The, the reasons, the reasons to hate this place just keep yeah. piling up. Oh and, well, the whole the whole start of that too, though, with the whole blood quantum thing, was to, um, like I said, it was it's like in reversal. Like the less native that you had, the less they're like, well, you don't need that much since you're not. That oh, native, okay. And whatnot, and then some tribal members, I know how they are like that too. Like, well, they just think about blood quantum. They're like, oh, well, I'm full blood. You're half. You're oh, less. so there's huh. a kind they, of a yeah. hierarchy going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, some yeah. of them do. Some of them will do that. They're like, well, I'm full blood or whatever. Yeah, it's people figure out just so many ways to exclude each other or put each other down, and it's just yeah. like, terrible. Suck. I hate yeah, and yeah. yet I am one. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> this sucks. Can I be a bird? <laughs> um, yeah, it, um, it, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Because yeah. I think in every BIPOC community, there is this element of colorism. You know, how close can you identify with the colonizer? And those people tend to have more advantage economically, socially, or what have you. And then the darker of us, the, you know, less white of us have additional obstacles. So just hearing about it makes me mad. Uh, (laughs) So these two baby FBI officers go on this reservation looking for somebody who's allegedly stole cowboy boots. And the accounts are from most of the people there were that the shooting most likely came from the officers first. Right. And then the indigenous people on the reservation just had to defend themselves. So there are guys like coming. I forgot to say that the reservation, they contacted AIM and said, we're having all these problems and we need your help. So AIM was like, hell yeah, we'll help you guys. So they camped out. They, you know, set up shop on the reservation. And when they were needed, they showed up with their weapons and defended the community that was there from these unknown white devils. (laughs) So (laughs) this gunfight ensues and these two FBI agents are left dead. And then Joe 
uh, who was the young indigenous person, I think he was in his early 20s, was also killed. And so they had been hit by gunfire. The people had no idea who these intruders were. And when the indigenous people, the men who were protecting the community, made their way towards the cars, um, there were several more shots fired. And then Williams raised his hand and the way <laughs> somebody described, he raised his hand and he was shot through his hand. A bullet went through his head. Oh, yeah. And the back yeah. of his head was gone. And then Fuller was shot in the top of the head and then the neck and it removed the bottom part his of his jaw. jaw. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I love you. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. Uh, so there was one indigenous guy and I can't remember his name, but he's the longer, skinnier, lankier one who was acquitted. But he was like, at that moment, we knew basically we were fucked. Our lives were transformed from that moment on. Robert Dew? Yes, 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 yes. That is the name. Thank you. And so then I guess agents swarmed upon the property because they had heard the two agents who were there had no business being there that, you know, were under fire. They're after us. Blah, blah, blah. So then Leonard Peltier said he thought they were all going to die. Um, He said that they should go back to their camp and figure out where to go from there. Um, He said they all prayed really, really hard for Joe. They knew Joe was dead. They prayed for his spirit to have a good journey. And they also prayed for the spirits of the agents, too. Like, come on. I mean, this is one distinction I would love to make between BIPOC people and white law enforcement is the humanity that we are able to display when they are not. And that felt like a moment of humanity being Mm -hmm. displayed by praying for essentially your enemy. Everybody, Um, yeah. For everybody. So um, then they brought up Wounded Knee, which was a few years prior when there were heavy exchanges of gunfire. Um, One, it said one Indian person was shot. And then they gave a statistic that in the 1970s, there were 10,000 Lakota Sioux who lived on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And before the shootout at Jumping Bull, the reservation had the highest per capita murder rate in the United States in 1975. And we know, us fruities know, there are many reasons for that. It's not necessarily because of the people there. Um, We talked about in the last documentary that we watched Mm -hmm. that there is this federal tribal legal maze to sort through. And there's also the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous people that just go unsolved. And we have campaigns about it now, but we didn't in the 1970s. And so we have to believe that this problem has existed for a very long time. That was my thought on that. And then the killing per William Muldrow, who was the U.S. commissioner on civil rights, he was like, okay, yeah, they had a high murder rate and they had a high crime rate. I don't know who started shooting or what started the shooting, but it's not surprising that an incident might occur under the circumstances, given the level of anxiety, fear and terror that the people on the reservation had. And then uh, we hear from Dennis Banks, who's the co-founder of AIM, and he talked about the reservation being a war zone. Uh, This was another statistic they gave us that Pine Ridge was at the time the poorest reservation in the United States. And I, you know, I think that made them easier to ignore. 
if I'm being honest. And let's see, James Aburez, who used to be a U.S. senator from South Dakota, admitted there was just neglect by the government and more poverty. Um, But he didn't mention anything about what he tried to do about it as, you know, a senator (laughs) from there. And then he talked about the loss of hope and just the sense of despair and defeat that the people felt. And then Leonard gets on there and says, you know, he expressed that his people were like, wow, this is the rest of our lives. This is what there is for us on the reservation. And then there was some really bleak shots of like dusty, just like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was just dusty and kids playing and you could see the kids playing, but you know, it's just talking about the loss of hope. Like, this is it. This is all we get. This is it. This is all we get. Have you ever wondered about things that go bump in the night, or objects in the sky, or other things you just couldn't explain? Then join me, Jim Mallard, on my podcast, The Mallard Report. Each week, you'll find engaging conversations with guests who are authors, historians, and scholars who lend their expertise as we discuss current events and venture into the fringe and paranormal. The Mallard Report hits controversies head-on, yet remains conversational, and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platform. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. And then they brought up the blood thing, which we talked about. And um, then you get the two factions, the traditional versus the progressive, the mixed blood versus the full blood and the traditional people with traditional beliefs. And then the other people who were somebody described in the documentary as United States puppets. And to the white man, if you were half white with a white side, then the government was like way into you. But if you weren't, then they were less so. Um, And then. We meet Richard Wilson, who uh, at first was on the tribal council, but then he gets elected to president of the tribal council. And I don't know a lot about how that works, but my impression is that there is a lot of support. You know how the U.S. government fucks up other people's governments? Oh, and we yeah. do it so often and so All well. The time. Yeah. I, I suspected that the U.S. government had a hand in inserting Wilson into Mm -hmm. power. 
Yeah. Am I, am I, did anybody else get that vibe? Am I yeah, yeah. That's okay. what I was trying to get at when I was talking about the percentage of Caucasian, you know, versus mm-hmm. uh, not Caucasian. It was like, mm-hmm. those are the people that would be more likely to get into higher positions of power, I would think, yeah. because they would have out external support from the colonizer government. Exactly. Yes. External support. And we'll take care of you if you take care of us. Scratch our backs. We'll scratch yours. And from the documentary, it seemed pretty obvious that Wilson was getting a lot of support from people who were outside of the community that he was supposed to be supporting and leading and helping. And he wasn't. Um, Yeah, he was in charge of all the money and he was in charge of all the jobs and he only gave them to his friends and his family. What the fuck? And so the perception was that his administration was just trying to enrich himself. Not a perception. It actually looked like fact. I saw it with my eyes. And then uh, (laughs) so he worked closely with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And I also don't know a lot about the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but I suspect that there are not a lot of indigenous people calling the shots at the Bureau of Indian Affairs, just based on what I saw in this documentary, which and and I would love to be corrected and wrong, but my notes say, fuck those people. Now, uh, <laughs> people on the reservation were not happy with, with Rick and, uh, or not Rick, Dick was like, <laughs> he, he had these goons and there's an acronym that the goons stand for. When I heard goons, I was like, oh, it's a fun word for people who like to harass and beat other people up. But it actually stands for... Goon is an acronym for what is it? Guardians of Oglala Nation. Oglala Nation. Thank hmm. you. Yeah. And uh, the Goon it, Squad. Yeah. And I don't I I couldn't tell because they interviewed people from the area who were part of the Goon Squad. Some of them looked very white to me. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they had any connection with the reservation other than they were hired by Dick to do fucked up shit to the indigenous people on the reservation. Yeah, that was my impression. Yeah, and there were survivors. There were mercenaries, basically. Mm -hmm. Survivors who told stories of losing loved ones, family Mm -hmm. members, children. It was really sad. It was terrorism. It was just pure terrorism. Like, you do what we say or this shit's going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah, and it just seems like I can't believe People can do that and go unanswered. And one very disturbing scene was a gentleman. He looked like he had a perm. I don't know if it was a perm or not, but he was like, sometimes it would get out of hand, like with a big old (laughs) smile on his face. Like, oh my God, (laughs) I was, I was. I was really horrified by that guy and his statement. And and it was, you could tell, I'm sure nobody got in trouble for what they did, what the goons did. We didn't and hear anything about anybody getting yeah, at least in trouble. We didn't see it in yeah. The yeah, my mind kept going back to what we were talking about on the last uh, meeting that, you know, white people can go into reservations and commit crimes and they can't be prosecuted. Yeah, so yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> I still, I'm still, like, I can't still asking that. what the fuck. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like that, you know, and then yeah, I, my mind just kept going around. But, you know, these guys who had no business being there went there, got killed. I mean, you know, we don't we never want to say it's a good thing that somebody got killed. But I'm also like. They but had no business being could, there. But they could go in and yeah. pull these guys out and and put them on yeah. trial. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. 
But yeah, but, it's but the inequity. People can go in yeah. there and kill people, and they can't be prosecuted. I don't yeah. understand. Like how? Right. Right. Kind of. Right. Like fair justice system. It's completely unfair. It's yeah. that bitch. Yeah. That justice bitch is supposed to be blind, but she's yeah. not. And they talked about the list of indigenous people who have died and two FBI agents were killed yeah. because they started shit. You know, there's an old yeah. African-American saying, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. And they started <laughs> something. Yeah. And they lost their lives. But it was it was like the value of those two individuals' mm-hmm. lives meant so much more. Much more and than there was all this... of the other people who had died there combined. Yeah. Exactly. And there was this enormous campaign. People with index cards and all kinds of red string trying to point the dots at any brown person who was yep. there that day. Yep. They brought in Myrtle. They mm-hmm. brought in who else did they bring in? Oh, what'd she say? Sorry, I saw a pop-up from Bryn. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I wanted to read mm-hmm. it. Oh, it's pretty identical to the neocolonialism that's talked about in other formerly colonized countries. In my lit degree, I had a lot of focus in post-colonial literature, and I was always surprised they never included any literature by North American mm. Indigenous authors. It felt like a weird separation to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too. <laughs> me yeah. too. Throughout my education career. And uh a lot of our textbooks come out of Texas. And, you know, I, I think there's a reason for that. But I don't think they think of it as being like formerly colonized. I don't think that they have an understanding that. Well, the thing is, that this particular point. like professor, she was she was kind of a badass. Like she mm-hmm. was a white lady from South Africa who actually had to flee the country during apartheid for protesting. Oh, wow. Wow. So like she was on a level. Yeah. But when I asked her about it, she didn't really have an answer. It almost seemed like she hadn't she thought never, about it. Never thought about it. Yeah. Considered it. Um, yeah. And this was at a small liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting. And part of, I thought maybe a little, are there like native studies classes that would maybe take that role, but you're not required to take those. Like you're required to take English classes. Mm-hmm. Right. And does that yep. keep the separation between like, this is a past problem or not bringing it into like current time. I don't know. I never yeah. t- I didn't take any of the classes because I couldn't fit them in. Right. Yeah. Because they weren't required. I think that's an absolutely valid point to the perpetuation of people just not realizing what's really going on. Yeah. Um, And And they got got to offer it. So they say, well, it is an option. (laughs) It is an option. But can I fit it? Can can you fit it in? Is the person teaching it going to be competent? And am I going to have enough resources to get an adequate understanding of what's really going on here? And I think that it's a detriment to all of us to not understand where we came from. Because I don't know if you noticed, this shit is repeating itself. Thank you for saying that, Bryn, because I yes. think it's, it's uh, I think one of the reasons that it's not talked about as formally colonized is it's still colonized. Yeah, It's currently yeah, colonized. And that's yeah. uh, a lot of the neocolonialism writings. Is, it's really interesting, but you got to, for me, I have to space it out with some fluff reading because it's, very rarely a good time. Heavy, yeah. But it's really yeah. important. Um, yes, yeah. I still have a lot of those books. Oh, shout out I some did. of the names. Next time you you some, oh, you know where to go. One of my us. favorites, which I, Wendy, I think you for sure would get a huge kick out of, is called The Lunatic. The Lunatic. Oh. It's, yeah, it's really funny. It's a Caribbean <laughs> author. 
I'll, uh-huh. I'll find it. I'll drop it in the chat. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Please do. Yeah. No, we love reading materials. I I hope there's an audiobook. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is it very oh, no. slow? <laughs> Maybe I'll just read it to you. Yeah. But, <laughs> you, we can do a dramatic reading. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it. Patrick Stewart to read it to you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I like where this is going. <laughs> I am just really, really grateful that you brought that up, Bryn. Like yeah. my mind is exploded. <laughs> the idea that people haven't thought about the fact that where they are is still, still colonized. colonized yeah. And we're all victims of it. And we can either close our eyes and not be woke as people are weaponizing woke. Yeah. <laughs> like the opposite of woke That's is so asleep. stupid. Yeah. Is that what you want to be? You really like, want to be asleep? Yeah. No, I, I, oh my God, I have goosebumps. I'm sweating in weird places. So thank you. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a conman. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing; she'd invested three hundred thousand dollars with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. So there's the initial gunfight. Then there's a secondary gunfight for I don't know why. It's like the FBI was like, we have to send 350 agents to attack this community of people who are we're mining their beeswax. And for no reason at all, there's another gunfight. And then the investigation starts and the prosecution starts formulating their whodunit theories. And they identify... Um, they identified three indigenous men. And the I love this, that the community was like, hey, I'm going to hide you here. I'm going to like, come, come stay with me. I'm, I'm going to keep you safe. So they all like looked out for each other when this big, bad FBI fuckery was going on trying to get them. But eventually the FBI did catch up to um, Robert Robido. Yes. And Daryl. <laughs> yes. Butler. Thank you. Thank you. So they caught up to both of them. One was found at another reservation. The second gentleman was found. Uh, he was like driving in the Midwest with a car full of like weapons and explosives. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. car exploded. <laughs> and he would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those stupid kids. <laughs> but they, they discovered him because of the explosion. Right. It's hard to maintain your cover after that. And then uh, <laughs> they found Leonard in Canada. But he was like, I'm 
going to use this colonizer system to my advantage. You're not going to extradite me. And so he's, you know, mounting his defense for himself in Canada. Meanwhile, they're like, we got to we got to punish somebody. We got to give somebody a Hertz donut. You know, we're the FBI. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were like, we wanted to try all three of these dudes together. We can't. This will have to just be the next best thing. And they tried them in South Dakota. And the judge was like, he was a good judge. He was fair to the defense. And every motion they filed, he granted it. And the dudes ended up getting acquitted. Yeah, they which, mounted a self-defense exactly uh, defense, yeah. which makes total sense to me. I mean, these two white dudes come onto their property. They don't right. know who they are and they yes. have guns. Yep. Of course, I don't, I don't think. I don't think they even knew they were white in the beginning anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was just like someone just coming blazing in here. And like I said, it could have been the goons. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know. Yeah. 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 So the self-defense and there was one white guy. I don't know what his name is. I don't care. He was an asshole. I hated uh-huh. him. I know um, what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly who I'm talking about. That guy. <laughs> that guy. I don't. You don't. <laughs> what the, is one, the one guy is like, that self-defense like... is ridiculous. And oh, yeah. Yeah. He was he was a yeah. dick. I that know. guy. Was yeah. The one that said the um tried to claim that the jury had been. Yes, I yes, so. yes. Yeah. That aim had that showed up at their house. Full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he he does not. He should not like he, terrified he for anybody who. Yeah, yeah, but he's in a, a position of authority and power. Maybe he's retired and dead now, and we don't have to worry about it. But I am concerned <laughs> for people that he is seeking justice for because I think he's a lawyer. And so they get acquitted. Everybody's like, "Whoa, didn't see this coming." Because people mentioned being concerned about. These indigenous men, they have long hair. They don't live like us. They don't live where we do. And they were worried. They were worried about what the jury would do. And I we don't see this very often. So I was glad the jury got it right. This was self-defense. And they I'm really happy. Yes. But then it's Leonard's turn. And they Leonard's like, you're not going to extradite me. And then the government was like, yes, we will. We found Myrtle, (laughs) your girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I never met him neither, but uh, the FBI does this and law enforcement does this a lot. And they seem to have an easier time doing it to people who are disenfranchised, poor and of color. We're going to take your kids away. You're yeah. going to be in jail. You're going to lose your job. So you better what choice did she? She had no she other didn't, choice, she didn't have a choice to, yeah. to say exactly what they told her to say. Like, what yeah. the hell is she supposed to do? Yeah. And all I kept seeing um, throughout this documentary as well, where all these male voices controlling the narrative and all these women looking on like, what the fuck, you guys? Like, can't <laughs> yeah. I just have a life? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was say, wasn't she like mentally incompetent too, yeah. a little bit? They yeah. said that a lot. I don't think that's a term we would use today. No, today. I think she was probably just challenged. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe had some learning difficulties. But, but still a vulnerable person. it would person. have been enough for a them vulnerable to take children person. away if they yeah. pushed. Oh, yeah. And so three affidavits later, and all the affidavits said three different things, the Canadian government was convinced, and they were like, okay, you can have him. And yeah, they that sent seems legit. Him. Yep. Yeah. Totally. So then... Leonard goes back to the United States and the trial this time takes place in a different venue in Fargo, North Dakota, with a different judge who's more plaintiff friendly. And I mean, before we even get to the trial part, everybody who commented was like, we knew he was going to be found guilty. We just knew it. They needed to have somebody to pin this crime on. And it was him. But then 
we come to find out that the bullet is an issue because the evidence doesn't add up. The car that they were following onto the premises, I know what a truck is. I know what a van is. I know what a suburban is. And I'm not in the FBI. So how can like these... They were trying to make a a square peg fit into a round hole. Yeah. Never in a hundred years would I have referred to that vehicle as a pickup truck. No. This started over cowboy boots? Yeah. Yeah, right. Cowboy boots. That made me do a double take. I know. I know. I actually had trouble focusing probably a good 30, 40 minutes into the video because my brain was like, this story makes no sense. This story (laughs) makes no sense. (laughs) Sounds like a job for the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, FBI. My boots are missing. Somebody went stole that my away. cowboy boots. Yeah. <laughs> After him, quick. Let him get Not away. your cowboy boots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I also didn't know this is that there's FBI like field offices all over the place. Yeah. And these guys were young and new in their careers. And maybe it was a less desirable beat to oh, yeah, could be. And so my impression also was that they were looking for like action. Oh, yeah, their name on the map. Too, yeah. So yeah. they could go straight to yeah. Washington, D.C. Yeah. and work for Joe Byron. Uh, <laughs> I, <don't>, <laughs> I think, but they made a big ass mistake. I think they knew what they were getting into. They're like, oh, we can say we're coming in here for these boots, but it's a bunch of radicals there. And it's a hot zone. Mm. And yeah, surely. Well, it was really it, stupid. I feel like there was some white arrogance. Yeah, poking the bear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don't poke I fully the bear. agree that the whole boot thing was just made up as a, you know, purported reason. Why oh, did anybody ever find any boots? <laughs> they never said anything about the finding no the boots. No update on the boots. No. <laughs> what you got marlene after the shooting peltier robadu and butler were arrested and jimmy eagle was dismissed for a lack of evidence so it's just like Ah, okay okay yeah that's a little sus yeah now uh at the end of the documentary we find out that there's a mr x who said he did it. he's the one who killed the agents yeah yes and story makes way more sense than any of the other stuff Wow. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't have waited till the very end to tell us it, but it kept me watching. It kept me engaged. But I was like, why doesn't he come forward? And I guess maybe I don't know. Because he doesn't want to go to jail. He doesn't want to go to jail. But I also really, really respect uh, Peltier. I'm not good at French. Yeah. Leonard Peltier's stance like I'm not out here to bring other people down or have somebody else take this sentence just because I want to get out. I don't think that's the right thing to do. And I don't know, I would definitely not do that. But uh, I respect it. I respect his position. Even his daughter was like, I think it's stupid what my dad is doing, but he's not going to change his mind. And I think what it is, is that this Mr. X is somebody that Peltier thought would be better equipped to affect social change. And that having that person in prison would be a greater detriment to the community than him being imprisoned. And I think that that's why he doesn't um, want I could, could be, yeah. Because, I, I, you know. Here, I, didn't, I didn't think about that, but I love it. I mean, I love it for the, I love it for the community, right? Like, well, I mean, I hope that's the case, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Either way, you got to respect that he's not willing to snitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For the greater good. You know, stitches. Yep, that's right. (laughs) But I also think Leonard, I think Leonard's story, um, I didn't know anything about this until Marlene suggested the documentary, but I feel like his case is um, a form of activism in itself. Yeah. Yeah. The whole story. And I think we all can learn a lot from this situation and from, you know, the position that Leonard finds himself in, Mm because I was listening to a podcast with some lawyers who defend um, tribes and talked about this case and how it is like a beacon for people who are fighting for indigenous communities. And I thought that that was super rad. Yeah. Any other, we have eight minutes left. Um, (laughs) I I just kept thinking. Awesome. Yeah. I kept thinking at the end, if he hadn't gone to Canada and he had um, went to trial with the other ones and he probably would have been acquitted. And that makes Mm -hmm. me sad. Maybe, but I think someone had to be a scapegoat. Someone yeah. was going to have to pay for this. Somebody. Yeah. So if it wasn't him, it probably would have been somebody else. They probably would have dragged somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what the yeah. FBI does. You're um, right. They do it very right. well. Yeah. Yeah. It was 100% pinned on him. Like there was zero evidence. There was, you know? yeah. It was just amazing. They manufactured that, evidence. The gun. Yes. yes. The gun evidence, the bullet, yeah. the ballistics. Mm-hmm. They had that one con who was studying it and also the Manson murders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And his kick-ass landlady was like, um, this guy's like, why Why are you taking him seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I, I remember that. Um, I was also going to say that I wonder what came of Myrtle. Is she yeah. okay? Myrtle Poorbrow? Okay. She stuck out in my mind a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was just it was just a, a really interesting doc. I learned so much. So thanks y'all for watching it with me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for suggesting it, Marlene. Yes, yeah, thank you, Marlene. It was yeah. a great one. Any parting thoughts or feelings or comments? It made me really sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very much so. Oh, yeah. okay. So we were talking before Bryn and maybe Marlene got on. He gets out in 2035. Five, yeah. That's not that long. It's That's pretty long. Years. One year, 78 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. Is, let's see. Yeah. He was born in 1944. So, okay. yeah. 2035. I do have a quote that he says. He says. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said the, the only one thing is sadder than remembering you were once free. And that's forgetting you were once free. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. What it's like to be free. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, are you reading a book by the? No, it's my podcast notes. So okay. I do a, yes. I, do a I, <laughs> I know you do a horror movie podcast. Can you shout yeah. it out for us? Yeah, what shout it out. Uh, horror movie warriors. Horror, horror movie, movie warriors. warriors. Okay. Yeah, really cute. Subscribed. I really, like, I really like that little community. But yeah, I take notes, so I took notes and for this one too. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, um, I can't think of anything else to add other than this was great. Everybody looks gorgeous. <laughs> um, and yeah, it is just really, really wonderful to be in community with y'all over something that we all dig, which is true crime and um, justice and stuff. So thank you all. I love you all so much. And I think I'm going to go to sleep now. (laughs) 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 Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Love you all. Bye, Bye. foodies.
my notes say, fuck those people. <laughs> I hate yeah. Yeah. And I am one. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> this sucks. Can I be a bird? Because I don't know if you noticed, this shit is repeating itself. Yeah. That justice bitch is supposed to be blind, but she's yeah. not. So yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, like, I can't still asking what the fuck. Yeah. I know. Also, no. this started over cowboy boots. That made me do a double take. Sounds like a job no for sense. the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, FBI. My boots are missing. Hey, we gotta give somebody a Hertz donut. You know, we're the FBI. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god, I have goosebumps. I'm sweating in weird places. So thank you. <laughs> Detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, "Is it Renee?" And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia... Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. It's criminal.